Good morning. If it's your first time here, welcome to South Point. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. And do not adjust your screen. I no longer have a beard. My wife won. So there's that. Um, if it is your first time, yeah, it's monthly or yearly thing that I get to deal with. Uh, we're going to keep walking through the book of Nehemiah really for like the rest of the semester. But um, within Christianity, we've got about 2,000 years of church history. Now, people don't always study a lot of church history, but kind of doing what I do, I get to, and there are some people that just kind of stand up above others that are these kind of spiritual giants, um, and they start early in, uh, once you get past the Bible, and there's guys like Polycarp. Um, I just said his name because it's fun to say Polycarp. Really, that sounds like a Pokemon my kid would catch. Uh, he was a bishop um, that was martyred early on. He was one of the earliest disciples of a disciple. You skip forward years and you get to Augustine that we talked about early in this series. And you skip forward more years and you get people like Martin Luther and John Calvin that kind of led through the Reformation. And then you get into American history, you get Jonathan Edwards. But there's one person that I really, really like. Um, in the 1800s in England, there was a guy named C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Um, I requested that we use the name Spurgeon for a middle name with my kids, and it was vetoed. Um, this is a guy who, back in the day, you went by initials, CH, you were kind of distinguished. J.L. Pope just sounds like I fathered Superman or something, but Spurgeon, this is a guy that within all of Christianity, when it comes to preaching, he was called the Prince of Preachers. When he was 15, it's very fitting that we went through this this week, he was on his way to a place and a snowstorm blew in and it was bitterly cold and he had to get out of the cold and so he ended up at this little Methodist church and they were doing a service and at 15 he heard the gospel preached and at 15 God said, you're mine and he accepted Christ. And very quickly by the time he was 19, like he started, had started preaching at a young age and people just went, man, this guy's really, really good. Um, by 19, he was the pastor of a very, very large church in London that grew to the size of about 10,000 people. Uh, 10,000 people in a day and age where megachurches did not exist, um, in a day and age where microphones did not exist. And so this man with his big, booming voice and his really awesome beard, I miss it, um, who would get up and he would preach and just proclaim the gospel. Um, and he was very, very good at what he did. Um, and because it was back in the day and medical advice was a little different, in his carriage ride to church on Sundays, doctors told him, smoke a cigar beforehand, it loosens up your vocal cords. And so this guy would proclaim the gospel, he preached untold number of sermons, uh, he wrote hymns, he wrote books, he started a college, he was this, this giant of a man. And one of the things that he had was a publication called The Trowel and the Sword, or The Sword and the Trowel. Um, if you go online, you can find that. It's great reading if that's kind of your thing. Um, and it, he took that name from what we're looking at today. Nehemiah chapter 4, the title of this message is The Sword and the Trowel. Um, because if we walk through, we've seen Nehemiah pray. We've seen Nehemiah start rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Last week, if you weren't here, we, we really looked at he finally had some opposition that came in. Some people came in first with just those nagging voices that we find in our lives that try and pull us down. And then it escalated from there and it became actual threats. He had to arm the city. And today we're going to see what happens after that. And so we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 15. We'll have it on the screens or you can follow along in your Bible. And we're just going to start with one verse. It says, And when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. 
with just that one verse, we learn one really, really important thing. You want to be where God is working. Wherever God is actively doing things, that's where you want to be. And at this time, God, it was unbelievably clear that God was actively involved in this wall building. He was the one who had laid all the plans. He had made everything possible. He had, he had pushed defenders away. And so that's where he was working. And Nehemiah knew we need to get back there. See, God had already frustrated the plans of the attackers. We looked last week and Sandoval and all these guys came in and they were going to attack the city. And they got armed up and now they found out the Israelites were armed and they were afraid. Because it was kind of obvious to them that God is doing something here. Like they knew, okay, we've seen people come to this city before, but there's a different mentality. There's a different excitement. There's a different vision and buzz with these people. And they knew that, hey, people had tried to rebuild this wall before, but we're watching. It's going up really quickly. It's already halfway built. It's obvious that God is actively doing something here. And because they knew a little bit about God, they knew some of the stories about this God that these Israelites worshipped. They knew the stories about where God had taken out an entire Egyptian army in one quick, quick moment. And then went, you know what? I don't know if that needs to be us. And so God had thwarted their plans, and it was obvious that God was working there. And then the people respond. See, God had given them a mind to work is what we looked at last week. And we said, man, that needs to be our prayer, that God would give each and every one of us a mind to work, a mind to serve, a mind to be about the things that he is about. Like when our mind is truly focused on God, we get to watch all the beautiful things that he does unfold in front of us. And we get to be a part of that. And see, God is a God of advance. God was rebuilding this city through these people. Our God is always about advance. He's always about moving forward. You see it throughout scripture. You see it in the church today as the church reaches out. And then you see the gospel advance in people's lives. And these people responded with obedience. But they knew, hey, the work's not done. At this point, they're tired. At this point, they look, and they've been building this wall around the city of Jerusalem, and it's halfway built, and you could go, well, look, we're halfway done. But the work wasn't done yet. And they said, hey, we need to be about this. We know that God has called us to this. We're going to get back to it. And the same thing is true today. A really good question that we can ask is, where is God working? You figure that out. And then you plant yourself in that spot. If God is actively, if you look out and it's like, it's, it's undeniable that God is doing something in that place. Man, I want to be a part of that. Like, I want to run to that because that's where the party's at. I want to be where God is actively working. And he's doing it in everything. When it comes to people's lives. Years ago, I heard a guy say, you know what? God's saving people and he's invited us to play. Why would we not want to be a part of that? Like God is actively moving in people's lives. He is actively regenerating and making them into something new. Why would we not want to be a part of that? And so we just ask ourselves and we look around and say, where is God working and how can I get there? And if we look around our church, it's obvious God's doing things. Right now, I know we, we laugh every week when the kids run out. And I said this in the first service. Like some of you, you might take bets on who's going to trip. And we kind of laugh about that. But I didn't even realize my kid apparently tripped this morning. And that's why everyone laughed. Um, but apparently he caught himself really well, did a tuck and roll, and was on his way. But man, those kids, they run out every week. They're excited. And God's doing some really cool things in their lives. And G3 on Wednesday nights, kids are hearing about the gospel. There's kids that are talking to us about saying, hey, we want to get baptized. We, I, I've accepted Christ. God's doing things there. 
He's doing things in the lives of our students and our student ministry. It was a tough week for them. They were supposed to have D-Now, which is one of my favorite things to do, and we kind of had a snowstorm, so we're going to reschedule that. But he's actively doing things there, and so if you feel called, man, serve in those areas. Be a part of that. I know that God's moving in our pantry. We do a pantry. If you're kind of new here, we do a pantry the third Saturday of each month. I know that God is actively involved in that because it happened this week. Because on Tuesday, we were kind of looking around going, it's not going to work. Like, if, if people want snow cones, we can do that. But outside of that, like, it's cold. And there's no power. And then there's going to be no water. And yesterday, we filled up 60 boxes with food, including milk, eggs, bread, stuff to get people through a week. And we distributed them here. We took them out to apartment complexes. I know God had to be involved in that because there is, I, just, I don't know where that came from. I know that we could have taken those same boxes to H-E-B and sold them on the black market for, like, real money. Like, got some of that milk, man. First cup's free. Man, could have sold that. But I know that God is actively involved in that because I have no idea outside of God and a story I read in the Bible about fish and loaves how that could have happened. So if you're looking for a place to get plugged in, man, we get the opportunity to minister and love on people and serve there. And then I look around at just new faces and new ministries at South Point. Our women's ministry is going to meet tomorrow night. That's an area where you can get plugged in. God's doing really good things. Ifs coming up. We've got men's groups that meet. We've got Order of the Lion. We've got our fight club that meets. Things are happening there. There's places to get plugged in. There's life groups that are happening. Like I look around and it's obvious that God is doing things. And just like these people, we need to respond and say, if you're doing something, that's where I want to be. I want to be where God is actively working. Then it continues on in verse 16. He says, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail, and the leaders who stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each laborer on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. And the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work on the wall uh, or, I'm sorry, the work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you, uh, or in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. God calls defenders, God calls builders, and he calls all of them to his glory. This is another kind of leadership moment in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. And Nehemiah looked out and said, I understand that, okay, all these different things are happening. I've already motivated people, and I've got them working on the wall, but now we've got opposition coming. And now we've got to have some other roles played. And so he sent some to be builders. He sent some to be defenders. He sent some to sound a trumpet if need be. But he looked around, and he said, I've got all these unique people with all these unique abilities. I'm going to bring them together, and we're going to get this accomplished. Some of them were builders. Literally, some of these people with a sword strapped to their side, working with their hands, they're moving. We don't even know how they moved them. Moving these massive stones to be put back so that the wall could be built. And then they take out a trowel and they put mortar in. And so these people are literally building this with their hands. The way that that looks today, sometimes people are called to be builders physically. Like, I'm really good at looking at things and going, that looks cool. Now what do I do with it? <laughs> A couple years ago, we redid our lobby. I kind of looked at a bunch of different churches, and I'd looked online, and 
I found some things that was like, I really think this would be a good look, but I have no idea how I'm going to do that. Um, so I got with Terry O'Brien, got with Don Berry, and said, hey, do y'all think y'all could build this? And they were like, yeah. And they spent a couple Saturdays, and all of our wood signage and everything that's out there, they physically built that with their hands. They, they were builders. Sometimes we're called to build spiritually. Sometimes that's through encouragement. In Thessalonians, it talks about building one another up through encouragement. Those times where we would just look around and say, you know what? The way that I can build spiritually today is just speaking something encouraging into someone's life. Because everybody needs it. Like, I think it was Mark Twain said he could live six months off one good compliment. Like, there are times where we just need to encourage people and say, you know what? I don't even know if you realize this about yourself. You're really good at this. I don't know if you realize that God has gifted you in this way. You could use that for his glory. Thank you. I don't know how many times I've said thank you this week because I've looked around and there have been so many people that have done so many things at our church and our community and just encouraging people and saying, hey, that's something that I can do to spiritually build you up. Sometimes it's through sharpening. In Proverbs, we're told, hey, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And sometimes that's coming alongside someone and saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing this in love, but I want to I wanna, I wanna make you better. And sometimes in love, we say, hey, I, I see this, and may, maybe we need to grind that down a little bit. Maybe we need to smooth that edge, that rough edge out a little bit. And we build one another up through sharpening each other and being willing to be sharpened ourselves. Sometimes it's through teaching. In Colossians 3.16, I'll read this one. That's because I love the way that Paul wrote it. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I've got a couple of times a week that it's my set study time. Like, I don't like to be interrupted. That's it's what I do. And this is basically my prayer before that gets started. Man, that God's word would come alive richly. To where that whenever we talk about this, we get excited about it. That this builds us up, and it builds us up spiritually through teaching. And it, my other prayer is that everyone here would read it in the same way. That you would look at Scripture, not just see it as this book that keeps dust from getting underneath it. But that we'd open it up and go, man, I want to richly dwell on God's Word so that it teaches me and it builds me up spiritually. I love that word, richly. Like, you all love whenever you go out to eat somewhere and somebody else pays for it, right? Because some of you, some of you are nice and you'll go, well, what's the cheapest thing? Where's the sandwich? Some of you are like, cha-ching, where's the steak? Um, when someone else is buying, we think richly. The best meal I've ever had was by far the best meal I've ever had, and it was only made better because I didn't pay for it. Um, there was, it took several animals in that meal to, to satisfy my hunger, and that's a good meal. And I'm talking about rich, every bite was so good. And there's times we think about that when it comes to food and go, I don't want a sandwich, I want a steak. And when we look at God's word, man, could we ever look at it and say, I want to read this richly where it fills me up and builds me up. Because regardless of how you build, whether that's physically or spiritually, everyone is called to build up the kingdom of God. And so some were called to be builders. And then some were called to be defenders. In this story, literally, you've got these people building the wall, and behind them, you've got others that are there to defend. And in Nehemiah, it records that, hey, they were there with spears and swords and shields and coats of mail, and didn't think that I was going to let that opportunity go by. 
When you have these in your office, it lets people know you mean business. Um, Whitney got me this for my birthday years ago. Um, it works. You can ask a mouse that got in our house one time. Um, standing along that wall, holding a different spear than this. I know it's crazy. This one's a Roman. Um, were the defenders. And it wasn't a prop. It wasn't a toy. It didn't make them feel manly, even though it did. They stood there with the full intent that if someone comes to attack these builders, my call is I am going to defend. And I'm not going to do it in a kind manner. <laughs> you get one of these thrown at you. I believe it's Soro, the pointy end goes in the man. Uh, it ends well. <laughs> it doesn't end well for that person. And yet these were the people that God had called and Nehemiah had called and said, hey, these are the builders. Your role is to defend. And they stood there with spears. They stood there with swords. And they stood very ready to do what God had called them to do. And when we look at that today, we find that, yes, we are still called to defend. We live in a world that's absolutely crazy and full of wickedness. And we know that we are called to defend within that. We know that we're called to be prepared for warfare. You read Ephesians 6 and it says, hey, you need to put on every single day the full armor of God. That included defensive stuff. That included offensive stuff in his word. And sometimes we're called to defend this. Now, this doesn't need a lot of defense, the, the scriptures themselves. They've been around for a long time. People have tried to pick them apart and find errors and talk about all this different stuff, and yet it's still the most popular book in all of human history. It stands the test of time. But yet, I know that one of my jobs is I'm called to defend this. And as the elders and leadership at the church, like, this is one of the things. We read, we study, so that we can go, hey, if it goes against Scripture, it's not going to be said here. And so if I find something in Scripture that goes against something in society, society loses. Scripture wins. If I find something in Scripture that goes against something in me, and it makes me mad, I lose, and Scripture wins. I'm called to defend this. Anything that I find in it, I go, this, this is true. This is God's revelation to us. And it's what guides us. And it is the primary means that God has communicated to his people for thousands of years. This book that we're reading is thousands of years old. And yet in 2021, post-snow apocalypse, we read it and it teaches us and it moves us forward. And so sometimes we're called to defend scripture. Sometimes we are called to defend physically. I love our cat team. Um, if you're kind of new with us and you're like, cat team, we got we to explain that one. Because one, if you got really excited about, y'all have a cat team? Um, we're, not that, we're not that weird. Um, it stands for Campus Awareness Team. And uh, they do a great job. And they, that's why you'll see people stationed by doors and making sure everything's safe and making sure that, hey, when things are slippery, no one's falling. And they do a great job. We've never had major, major incidents or anything like that. But I'll say this. One time we had one that was pretty weird, and no one knew about it because they did that good of a job. And so I'm very, very, very thankful for them and all that they do. So sometimes we defend Scripture, sometimes it's physically, and other times we know that we're called to defend those that are just the least of these. We've got widows and orphans. When it comes to sanctity of life, that's one that really gets me moving. And we've been called to defend those that need to be defended the most. When it comes to children and foster care, one of the best text messages I have gotten in a long time was just a couple weeks ago. Some of you know the Glass family. They used to attend here, and uh, 
Brian's stationed in Weatherford now, and so they had to move. But they were in the foster process trying to adopt some kids. And I got a text from about two weeks ago. It said, it's, it's happening. Like, it's for sure the courts ruled in our favor. We're going to be able to adopt these children. And man, I loved that. And I love that God had given them such a heart to reach out and love children that were not their own and call to defend those that, man, they needed that. And they went through a lot to get there. I mean, one issue with court systems after another. And I know that it takes an absolute gospel focus and drive to endure that. And I'm thankful for people like that that said, you know what, we're going to step up and we're going to defend and so you've got builders, you've got defenders, and some of them blew the trumpet. It says, in 19, says, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall, far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. I've shared it a couple times. At this point, this wall is one and a half to two and a half miles long. And a lot of times in our world we think of, distance in like a treadmill, think for a moment sitting up on a massive hilltop in Jerusalem and looking out and seeing, let's just put it on average, two miles worth of wall surrounding this city. That's a pretty long way. It takes some of us a little bit longer than five minutes to run a mile. And Nehemiah realized, hey, if they attack over here, like people over here aren't even going to know about it. And so he said, when you hear the sound of a trumpet, you go there. This was to make sure that people were aware, and it was this rallying cry for everyone of, hey, there's something to be done. We need to get to the sound of that trumpet. And I got to watch that this week with our church. On Wednesday morning, I got a phone call from a guy at Tins at South Point, Jay, and he said, hey, I was up all night. I was driving people up to warm shelters, and they're filling up. Could, could our church open up as a warm shelter? I said, yeah, let me, give, me, give me a few minutes. Talked with a few people. And, Got the Red Cross number and called them, and we had some questions, and it's like, okay, um, if you can answer these questions, that will give me some time to get the word out. And, man, we just started sending messages out, texting people, hey, like, we need to know, like, right now, if we're going to do this, it's going to take volunteers, we're going to need people. Like, it was, that was us sounding the trumpet, and so many people said, yes, whatever you need, yes, whatever you need, yes, whatever you need. And we ended up, we, we didn't have to open, um, but people were so ready to respond to that. Communication's important. Like, this is what it's teaching us today, that, hey, communication is an important, important thing. I sat in Don O'Brien's office this week, and uh, we were talking, and she said, I, I don't know how to say this, but I, I love the way you communicate from stage. You're really not good at it in written form. <laughs> and I chuckled. I fired her. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> she's back there right now. <laughs> we are not getting rid of you. <laughs> Uh, and I laughed, and I laughed because in the first service, Whitney was breaking up um, because it's unbelievably true. I can do this all day. I butcher the English language in written form. And it's like, no, you're better at this. You need to be the one to communicate this to people. That's why she's our communication admin. And so this is one where the trumpet gets sounded, and everyone, they flock to this if, they, if need be. Sometimes the trumpet doesn't get sounded. They're really hoping no one ever blows the trumpet because that means... It's really about to go south, but they're ready. And so sometimes you defend, sometimes you build, sometimes you sound the trumpet. If it's a crazy day, I think on some days this week I'd done all three of those by like lunch. But your role can change, but every one of these are unbelievably important. 
The New Testament teaches us this. It takes all of us coming together to be the body and to be the church. Never be ashamed of any role that you play in that. Sometimes people go, well, what I do is just not that important. Yes, it is. Every role at the church is important and never sell yourself short on it. Sometimes people think, well, because I'm not leading worship, that's not a big thing. Whatever you do is good. Sometimes people go, well, I'm not up there preaching. Look, there are times I love this role, and there are other times where I sit in an elder meeting with Jeff Hookie and Terry O'Brien, our elders, and they start talking about work-related things, and I just kind of go, I'm going to watch Paw Patrol because I feel like the kid in the room right now. Like, they are just so much more intelligent than I am. The roles that they play, they're huge. Everything, it takes all of us coming together to be the body. It took all of these people coming together to do the things that God had called them to do. And then look how it wraps up. Verse 21, it says, And so we labored at work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. And I said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of my guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes. Each kept his weapon at his right hand. Christians must be prepared for the work of ministry. Man, these people were unbelievably prepared. Again, you get to see Nehemiah making some really good leadership moments. When he talks about let the people stay in here, you know, when the stars are out, there were people that would come into the city of Jerusalem during the day and maybe do some stuff, but then they would go back to their homes at night. And they thought that would give them protection as this wall comes up. And Nehemiah goes, you don't even realize, like, Everyone knows when you're coming and going. Like, you, you're a prime candidate to be attacked, to, to be robbed, to be killed. Stop coming and going. Stay here. You'll be able to do the work. You'll be able to stay on guard. Nehemiah is a really good shepherd. He's kind of the governor over this area, but he's also a really good shepherd. And he looks out at people and says, you don't realize how in danger you are, so stay with us. Let us stay united and stay together. <laughs> he says, man... We were so prepared, we didn't even take our clothes off. Of all the weeks to read that portion of Nehemiah, I'm just going to confess to y'all. For like five days this week, I didn't change pants. <laughs> and some of you didn't either. <laughs> we're just being really honest here. If you're watching online in another country, don't judge. Um, it was one, like I've got a pair of like combat boots and I only... Pretty much the only time I break them out is when it snows. By Tuesday, I didn't even lace them up anymore. I just kind of put my feet in them. I'd walk over here. Don and I would just leave our boots up front. I walked around in socks. Like, I, I get the preparedness of this. Because um, there were so many times I'd be in my office and there would be a text message like, all right, we've got to get this done. Be a phone call. All right, got to get this done. I'd put my boots on and go. Like, I, I get Nehemiah this week. And he's saying, man, you've you got to be prepared. God's calling all of us to ministry. He's calling all of us to do things. And we have to ask ourselves, are we prepared? Are you prepared scripturally? And I don't want this to sound like, please don't hear me as like any kind of judgmental thing. A lot of people just aren't. This intimidates people and they feel like, man, I can't pour into scripture. I can't, I can't be ready to defend it because I just don't spend enough time in it. There's so many good resources out there where you can spend time growing in God's word. Like, are you prepared to be able to explain scripture to someone? Because we've been called to that. We've been called to be able to share the gospel message with people. 
are we prepared for it? Are we prepared to serve? Like, I've seen this week, yes. <laughs> and can I just say, I am so thankful to be a part of this church. I mean, I watch people work in the pantry this week. I watch people go and get other people and bring them up here. I watched people do cleared snow out of our entire parking lot. Like, let's watch so many things happen this week. I'm like, man, thank you. Thank you for being a people that serve and serve so well. Um, if you're not serving somewhere, someone very close to you can tell you an area to get plugged in with. But are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to go? Remember years ago I heard a pastor say, hey, if you're a believer, you need to have a passport because God may call you in the middle of the night to foreign missions. Um, I tried to get a passport this week. That didn't work out. Um, we were actually supposed to get ours updated, and yeah, they had no power. But like, if God calls us, are we prepared to go? Are we prepared to go to another country to serve people that we don't know? Are we prepared to go to two streets over in Abilene to love on a neighbor? Like, are we prepared for that? Are we prepared to share? <laughs> like, are, if someone needed to know who Jesus was, if someone didn't know what salvation was, could you talk to them about that? Are you prepared in that way? And if you're not, let me say this. Come talk to me. We'll work on that. I'd love to be able to sit down and share with you how to share the gospel. These people were unbelievably prepared. And we have to ask ourselves, are we prepared in all the ways that God is working? Because I look around and it's obvious God is at work and he has invited us to play and be a part of that. The question becomes, will we do that? Let's pray. God, we love you. God, I'm so thankful for the things that you're doing in our church, God, in churches across the world. God, I pray that we would just look around and say, where, where are you? What are you doing? And how, how can I get there? And how can I get there quickly? Because, God, I know, I know you're moving in the lives of so many people. I know you're moving in the gospel, God. God, making truth known to people that, yes, we are a sinful people. And that separates us from you because you're a perfect and holy God. But in your grace and in your mercy, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And he laid down his life to cover my sin and to cover the sins of the world. And if that's never been a personal thing for you, if you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, if you've never had a real relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you, come talk to me. I would love to share more about who he is and what he has done. And celebrate that. God, I just pray that we will be a people continually looking for you and being prepared to be obedient to what you call us to. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.